0: Merry Christmas, and uh, particularly as a, as today is a significant day, in the, it's only two weeks and a little bit until Christmas Day, which is obviously exciting um, if you're somebody that gets excited about Christmas. If you're a Scrooge, I'm sure even this morning when you saw the snow sprinkling down, that you even had a little smile of joy in your heart. Um, no, 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 even the Scrooges have that. Um, but today is a significant day. Partly, I think, because Christmas is coming soon. Partly because next week is our Arrival of Joy event. Uh, only a week away. Uh, also, today's significant because it's our last Sunday here in this venue. And uh, I feel like the, 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 ver- the words that particularly Chris brought through that time of being sent out is, is a message for us right now. And um, we're going to have a bit of an opportunity at the end Uh, to respond and to pray for one another and to see what um, God really wants to come and do. Um, Over these past uh, kind of seven, eight weeks, I'm not sure how long it's been, we've been going through the Jesus genealogy and um, I think we've finally finished that. So it's okay, guys. You don't have to worry. Um, It is well and truly finished. However, what we saw through these different people that we've looked at in Matthew 1 is that they're all kind of foreshadows, tasters of, of Christ. They all point to, in some way, directly or indirectly, to Jesus. And Christmas, Advent Christmas, is this moment where God came to earth. God himself came to earth, and he replaced the shadows with himself. It's God's coming to earth, no longer just foretastes, no longer just people pointing towards him, but God himself coming to earth as Jesus and Christmas and Advent is a time that we get to but specifically we do this throughout the year but specifically look back to the coming of Christ and look forward to him coming again the expectation anticipation that Jesus will one day come again yes he's been born in a manger as a baby but one day he will come in all his splendor and we look to that day as well but I want to ask you uh, today, what what um, what makes you feel Christmassy? What makes you feel Christmassy? Is it, did you actually step in this room today, you saw me wearing this jumper and you thought, now I feel Christmassy. Actually, this had three uh, holly berries on it yesterday. Zach decided, uh, under one, nine months year old, decided he wanted a taste of it. So that one's gone. Um, there's only two of them now. But... Um, What makes you feel Christmassy? Is it mince pies or mulled wine? Some of you would say, why would you heat up red wine? It's perfectly good, just as it is, but there we go. For some of you, maybe it's uh, carol singing, Uh, and if if that's you, then you need to come and join us and me and Angela. I don't want it to be just me and Angela this Saturday. You need to come and join us as we sing in Tesco's to celebrate uh, Jesus' coming, but also to invite people to our event next Sunday. Is it when the Coca-Cola advert comes on the the, the, the TV? It's like, yes, now Christmas is here. Is it when you, on Christmas Day, get to open them presents? Or is it actually just when you sit down for that Christmas dinner and you tuck into your roast turkey and all the trimmings? What is it that makes you feel Christmassy? Well, for me, and this is slightly odd, um, this is a bit of a weird one. For me, feeling Christmassy... Begins with uh, something my dad used to do when we were younger. Um, my dad, um, I, don't, I don't know why he did this, but anyway, he would say he would say to us, "Do you want to feel Christmasy?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah." The, the weird thing is, he would do that at Christmas time and not Christmas time. He would do that whenever, throughout the year. Do you want to feel Christmasy? And what he would do is, he'd then go to squint his eyes, look at a light, and Encourage me to do the same, and for some reason, that's supposed to make you feel Christmassy. I think, I think the premise is that when you do it, depending on what lights, these lights are a bit tragic, but depending on what lights you look at, you kind of get a little bit of a sparkle. I know you're all trying it. I saw you, Andy. You kind of get a little bit of a sparkle, a little bit of a blur, and it. no, you're not. It kind of makes you feel a little bit Christmassy, so to speak. That's what my dad thought anyway. I'm not too sure. Anyway... Lights, we see them all around us at Christmas, are a big deal. Lights are a big deal. I don't know if any of you have seen, not too far from here, this house is covered, absolutely covered with Christmas lights. See people out there looking at it. People get attracted to looking at lights at Christmas time. Um, Some people spend hundreds, thousands of pounds decorating their houses. Uh, I've just realised that probably is why my dad told me just to squint my eyes and look at a lamppost, because he's a cheapskate. Anyway... That was the reason. Lights are a big deal at Christmas. But it's also a great reminder that the true light has come. That's what it does. Is it, it reminds us that Christmas reminds us that the true light has come into the world. And I just want to read a few verses from John 1. Very well-known verses. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. I'm just going to skip to verse 14 that says, And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. The light has come. Christmas could be summed up in these three words. God became flesh. The light has come. God has come to earth as a baby. And uh, I've had the privilege of uh, being at the birth of our two children. And... um, I don't know about you, but I don't. uh, Maybe some of you have have witnessed that or given birth. Um, Don't about you, but being at a birth is both the most miraculous thing in the world, and at equal, at the same time, kind of the most natural thing in the world. I kind of, I find, I found the whole experience amazing. Probably wasn't because I wasn't doing the hard work, Um, but I found the whole birth amazing because it was wonderful. It was amazing in one instance. But actually, it was kind of gruesome and not so amazing in, an, in another way as well. There was this tension between it being wonderful and gruesome. And it really is a bit out of this world. But I still haven't worked out if that's more because it's a miracle or because it more resembles something of the film Alien. I'm not too sure yet. I'm still working that one out. But what it is... And I'm not, I was going to show a video of one born every minute. I thought I would be too far uh, just to just to capsulate, you know, the real uh, how much it, how kind of miraculous, but how uh, wonderfully natural it is as well. But what I found is that the fact that God came to earth as a baby born of a woman. is just amazing. He didn't stay at a distance. He didn't stay Uh, in the the heavenly places. He gave up. He emptied himself. He became just like us, born a baby in a manger. God isn't just this holy and powerful God. He is intimate and involved. But Jesus didn't just come to give us this nice Christmassy feeling that we might feel when we look at fairy lights or look at the sparkling lamppost, so to speak. But when we grasp that Jesus came, as the true light that shines into the darkness. That Jesus came to be the one who would deal with darkness. Deal with the world's darkness. Deal with the darkness which is in me and in you. Deal with the problem of sin. It says in John 1 John 3, it says that Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. That's why he came. He came to shine the light in the darkness. But why is it that when we look around... If the light has come, why is it when we look around we, we still see so much darkness? We still see so much darkness out there and in our own lives? Well, Jesus actually answers this question. Jesus in John 8:12 says, "I am the light of the world. The light has come. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness." If you just flip that round for a moment, it's consequently saying that whoever doesn't follow him will walk in darkness. So right there, we can see that why darkness exists is because people have rejected Jesus. The light has come, but people have rejected the light and actually love the darkness. You can't actually be neutral. There's no neutrality. There's no, uh, I'm just either or I'm just in the middle no, 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 no. It's Jesus or darkness. There is no alternative. John 1, back in John 1, 10 to 12. Verse 9 verse, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people, but they did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. See, we have a choice to reject the, the light or to receive the light. We have a choice to receive Jesus. And it means that everyone needs to receive the light because where there is no light, there is darkness. I uh, we, you know, many of you know, we've just moved to Welling. We've just bought a new house, and um, we uh, this week had the electrician round. Uh, we've started to kind of work slowly, getting through some things. And uh, the electrician rounds around this week, and we um, it meant that for a few days we've been out of, of electricity in our bathroom. Uh, There's some issue. We still actually haven't got it, but. Where there's no light, there's darkness, right? Particularly when it's nighttime. And that's difficult when you need the toilet in the middle of the night, particularly for a man. So I won't go into details. We'll just go there. But where there's no light, there's darkness. There's darkness in the world where the light of Jesus hasn't shone in, where people have decided to reject the light and go their own way. So actually, there might be even people in this room where there's an opportunity even today, at the end of this meeting. Maybe you've been coming here a, a few weeks, but you've never actually decided to put your trust in Jesus, to follow him, to follow him. You would, never, you would not say you've actually decided to follow Jesus. Right now, the Bible says you're walking in darkness, but you can receive the light. You can allow the light to come and shine in. Maybe you want to speak to someone at the end. Maybe you want to be prayed for. It's an opportunity to do that. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just read that again. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That means I can't try and work Jesus out on my own it takes God's shining his light into my heart. That means I might have answers that, uh, questions that aren't answered. I might have things that I, in my life that I, I, I still struggle with or, or I'm challenged. I, kind of, I can't see how that works out. I can't see why that happens and that happens and that happens. The fact is we can't intellectually work Jesus out on our own. We need the light to shine into our lives. We need to receive him. The light has come. The light has come as a baby Jesus. And by receiving Jesus and believing in his name and following him, we receive the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Have you received the light? Have you received Jesus or are you walking in darkness today? For those of us who have received Jesus, for most of us here, we've we've received Jesus' light into our life. The Bible says then, Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, verse 8. It might come up on the screen. For at one time you were darkness. So that means none of us were ever perfect. None of us were made as Christians. No, no, we were all once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The fact is none of us none of us are perfect, are we? None of us have got it all together. All of us, in fact, have areas of our life which are dark, are, are, are not completely, we're not completely like Jesus yet, are we? One day we will be, when we'll be perfect in the heavenly places with him, but right now we're not. And so that means we all need the ongoing work of Jesus' light shining in our lives. And these verses in Ephesians 5 remind us that actually to expose the unfruitful works of darkness is a good thing. Is a good thing. You know, when we feel exposed, Jesus doesn't come to expose us to embarrass us or harm us. Remind ourselves that Jesus is good. He's good. He's loving. He's gracious. And actually... What he does is when he shines his light into our lives, when he reveals, when he exposes the things that aren't, aren't of him and aren't fruitful, he's doing a good thing because he wants us to become more fruitful. He wants us to be those that, that live life to the full. He came that we might have life and life in all its fullness. It's like saying that, why would I, I want to choose this? Why would I want to hide this away and allow the sin to entangle me when Jesus has something far much greater for me? And I just believe that, because you could read these verses in Ephesians 5 and think like, oh, God wants to expose me. God wants to embarrass me. God wants to harm me. It's like, no, 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 no. He wants to put his light into our life. He wants to reveal things, even as Christians, that that aren't fruitful. And I just sense, even as we were praying before the meeting, um, that God wants to come and set some people free. God wants to come and uh, uh, take away some people that are entangled by things that are they've actually kept hidden. And for some, that might mean just taking a moment at the end, just to re- look to God, look to the Son, believe on his name, repent, turn to him. You know, over these past several weeks, going through this series on grace, the scandal of grace, we've heard testimonies of people, someone, I think they're in their 70s, they've never told anyone about something that they... Uh, done in the past and they came to a point of saying god's grace is sufficient for me and that i am no longer going to keep this sin hidden but i'm going to allow it to be exposed so the light of god can shine into my life and set me free and i truly believe actually god wants to come and do that god wants to come and do that today i even if you, I just encourage you if that's you Which, by the way, there's all of us that have dark areas of our life. (laughs) I'd encourage you to find someone, maybe at the end of this meeting or another time, but to find someone to speak to them, to allow God to come and deal with it. This week, I, I read a tweet that said, Jesus' light, it wasn't a tweet from Donald Trump, Jesus' light first came to us in a manger and one day in his splendor, will illuminate heaven itself. There is none brighter. Jesus' light, that's what we're celebrating right now at Christmas, came as the baby in a manger, but one day his splendor will illuminate heaven itself. There is none brighter. The light has come. The light will come again. Whilst right now there is darkness amongst us, there is darkness around us, one day the world will be completely filled with the light of Jesus Christ. When the light of the world when Jesus returns again this is fantastic news for us by the way I don't know about you sometimes I wake up and think oh I've got to do this again today like this place what is going on what is this world about one day one day the whole world will be covered with the light of Jesus Christ (laughs) Revelation 22 5 says and night will be no more Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. If you're a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, if you follow him, you have the light in you, you're no longer walking in darkness, one day you will be face to face with the light of the world. But right now, right now the devil knows that he's beaten but he's thrashing around and trying to do as much destruction and darkness as possible. The devil's aim is to try and keep the veil of darkness over people's eyes. But we know one who's far more victorious than the devil, that has defeated Satan, sin, and death. And one day, when he returns, night will be no more. One day, the devil and the darkness will be banished forever. And that's good news. That's good news because it means that one day there'll be no more sin. One day there'll be no more darkness. There'll be no more suffering, no more mourning, no more shame, no more guilt. Maybe them things that I just talked about a minute ago that entangle us, they'll have no, no hold of us anymore. There'll be no self-harm, no depression, no death, just pure unadulterated light you know this gives us confidence right now because we have a future hope it gives us confidence right now because we know that one day Jesus will come through fully it gives us a hope and uh, this week I was at um, the funeral Thanksgiving of of Margaret a wonderful woman in this church many of you will know her some of you maybe not she was in her 90s 90s and um, she'd been a part of New Community Church for a long time and I got to know her a little bit I, many people know her a lot better than me but I, I've known her fairly well and I got to hear a bit of her story going from around the house and praying with her and, but at the funeral at the Thanksgiving there was these wonderful tributes wonderful tributes and not, not even specifically about her but they were about her but about the faithfulness of God in her life and how that even through such difficult days in her life, she lost her husband, I think 40 years ago, lost her son, lost her house. Through many, many years of difficult times, yet she had a full confidence in that one day she would be face to face with the light of the world. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, tribute at the funeral Dave Holden actually said at one point, um, when I heard the news, when I heard the news that Margaret had passed away, had gone to the Lord's, I was jealous. (laughs) He said, I was jealous. And we don't often think like that, do we? I I have days when I think, Lord, will you come now? (laughs) Lord, will you come now? The thing is, we should probably be living more like that and like that mindset. Will you come now? Light has come in Jesus. When we look back to Christmas, when we're celebrating, eating that turkey, we're reminded that Jesus has come. The light will come again in all his splendor, filling the world with his light. But what does that mean for now? What does that mean for us right here, right now in Welling? And this is when I really want to land, really, is by bringing this home to us. What does it mean for us here? And when darkness still exists around us, when when darkness still exists in our own life, what does God have to say to us here, right now? Yes, Jesus has come. Yes, he's going to come again. But what about now? And I believe God specifically wants to come and speak to us in Welling. Thankfully, I can really home this in on welling because i'm not speaking at the other venues and i believe god wants to use some verses from isaiah 60 which we'll look at right now just the first few verses isaiah 60 says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen upon you for behold darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. And your daughters. Arise. Shine. Arise. Shine, I. As I was preparing, I just sensed this word. Arise is a time for us. We're, it's a time for us to arise. It's a time for, for Welling New Community to stand up, to be sent out. And I, I actually sense that even specifically right now, as we're about to move into Welling Baptist, there's this there's this practical thing going on here, but there's a spiritual thing as well. The practical thing is we are moving. We're moving from this upstairs room, kind of in the middle of nowhere, in the back end of a railway station, and we're moving into a heart of a community which is filled with people, households, streets, streets, streets of people, community centre around the corner, schools around the corners. God says, arise. God says, welling, will you arise? Will you, will you arise to this? Will you shine? Arise, shine, for your light has come. How do we shine? What does it look like for us to shine? And I think, we, I think we, we, we battle with this in our minds, don't we? What does it actually mean to shine and make a difference in people's lives? The facts are that the light has come. If you're in Christ, the light is in you. And so I think it actually starts with that first word, arise. Actually go and be out there and be with people. Go to your workplace, which hopefully you would do anyway. Go to the school gate. And when you go, you know that you carry the light of God in you. And out of that, you will shine. Uh, this, is, this is actually really good news because uh, I thought it, when I was in the early days of being a Christian, I thought I had to know everything I had to do everything. I had to be this expert in the understanding of the Bible. I had to kind of be really ready to to, to go to the ends of the world. And and God, if you send me, I will go. But I just sense God saying, no, no, where you are with your family, with your households, with your neighbors, with your school gates, with your work colleagues, that's where you're going to shine. That's where you're going to make A difference. Matthew 5, well-known verses. It says, you. (laughs) This is funny because Jesus obviously introduced himself, said, I'm the light of the world. Now hear the change. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is heaven. We're now the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We are the people that will shine Jesus' light into this world. And it's not because we have to try and do loads of stuff. All we have to do is stop hiding. All we have to do is take the basket off. That's incredible. That means I don't have to do much at all. I just don't hide. I don't... What does that mean? It, don't stay in my house. I Don't hide away when actually someone asks me, what's the reason for your faith? I have a reason for my faith. One Peter. You know, what is it to, to, to not have the, 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 the basket on the lampstand? It's, it's not being hidden. And I, I really believe that we are being sent out to go as a people, to arise and shine, for your light has come. I think this begins with, with our expectation. I think it begins with what do we expect? God loves to answer what we're asking Him to do. God loves to, uh, God loves to bless people of faith. I really believe that. What is God saying to you? I, I feel like God's gonna actually as came through in chris's word what's god commissioning you what's god bringing out of you what what is actually in you that that actually god's or oh, that has, has not been shown yet because you have not arised. It's because you've not allowed your light to shine I feel like god today is going to bring to draw it out of you draw the light out of us to go and shine in our communities to see welling transformed for the glory of god that's why we're here there's, there's no point us keep meeting up on Sundays really if nothing happens in Welling I was going to read out Isaiah 61 earlier in the worship time obviously quite well known verses the spirit of the Lord is upon me which anointed me to preach good news to proclaim freedom for the captives to set the captives free to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring good news to the poor that those who are mourned will now praise but then you get to an end, a little bit further on it says So the the Lord would be glorified, might be glorified. I sometimes, I think we live with the fact that we think we come to worship and sing and then if God heals someone or if God sets the captives free, that's kind of an added bonus. I think God's saying, no, 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 no. Me being glorified, at the very heart of it, is people being set free. Is captives being set free. Is people who are broken being made whole. People who are poor finding their hope in Jesus Christ. And I just, oh, I just felt my, in my spirit, even now as I'm saying it, it's like God's coming to say, hearts, will you arise? Will you arise? Will you expect? Will you expect me, the light who has come into the world, who's going to come again and wrap it all up? But right now, will you arise and shine and, as the light has come? So going into 2018, just going to skip skip Christmas for a moment. Going into 2018, what are your expectations? What do we expect God to do? Are we are our expectations lined up with God's expectations? Are we expecting God's light to really make a difference in Welling? Are we expecting? people to turn away from sin as Jesus exposes areas of darkness in in their lives and to repent and turn to him are we believing God to come into our own lives and do the same where there's areas of darkness are we are we are we going to believe God for for more repentance are we going to believe God for for more fruitfulness in our own lives because we've turned away from sin and we're walking as children of light Are we expecting households, households, families around welling to turn to the Lord? Whole households? Are we expecting the nations represented in welling and beyond to be drawn to us? Just going back to Isaiah 60 for a moment. I did say this verse earlier, but verse 3 says, And nations shall come to your light. Nations shall come to your light. Kings, to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. I know I sound like I'm getting excited about this, but this isn't just hyperbole. This is the word of God, that the nations will be drawn, that the nations will come, that kings, I don't know if that literally means kings in our context, but I think it's people of influence will come and be transformed by the light of the world. And it's because they get drawn to us. It's bonkers. <laughs> but they will get drawn to us. If we what? If we arise. If we expect. If we step out. If we go. In the big situations. But in the small situations. With our chat with our neighbour. Whatever it might be. God wants to come. And shine his light for us. We're going to come and we're going to pray in a moment for one another just since God wants to maybe even rekindle some some old flame, some old dreams. Maybe to to come and uh, to raise faith in this place for what he wants to do. Greg, do you mind coming up? Before that, I know we've referred to this prophecy quite a few times, but it's a prophecy that I don't want us to let go of. It's a prophecy... Which I believe God has specifically got for us in Welling. And it's Tunde's, Tunde's prophecy to us, or God's prophecy to us, but through Tunde, that said, God dropped into my spirit the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors. God reminded me the coat was a deep expression of his father's love towards him. In an age where division is becoming a bigger expression than diversity, I sense the coat of many colors will be a reflection, a reflection of the church celebrating true diversity, more so as Welling is a very diverse town. The different colour patches will be joined together to form a beautiful coat as a hallmark of a unified unified community. Also in the same way, the coat made Joseph's brothers see from afar enough time for them to consult long before he turned up. So too will the Welling church be seen from afar by the wider society as an example of social cohesion and unbiased love among all. If Joseph had worn the traditional grey or white attire, he would not have been so distinguished with the backdrop of the desert wilderness. But the colourful coat not only made him visible, it was a work of art, an expression of his father's love. This is what the Welling Church will become. A solace for the marginalised, outlet for the purposeful, an example of the pleasant nature of unity and a showcase of God's rule over all nations and people groups.